Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 240, where today we will be concluding the book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll start in chapter 11. The title says, Paul and the False Apostles. Now, we have to remember that Paul is responding to a letter or to, or to something he's heard uh, about what the Corinthians have been uh, grumbling about, not all the Corinthians, I don't even think it's most of them, but I don't know, uh, with regard to his apostleship and calling into question maybe some of his teachings, calling into question his motivation, <laughs> calling into question, you know, a lot of things about him, his, his, his competency, his knowledge. Um, and apparently a lot of this is going on because there are others either in the congregation or milling around coming from other territories that are trying to speak into the congregation, to the Corinthians, behind Paul's back. And so he's responding to this sort of thing. Let's drop down to verse 2. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Paul is saying, I, you know, I've come here to feed you, to feed you Christ, but I'm thinking you might be eating from somewhere else, you know, and that you may be creeping into the deception zone. He says in verse four, for if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit, which you had not received or a different um, gospel, which you did not accept, you put, uh, you put up with it splendidly. See, it says if somebody comes along and, 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 and sows a, 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 a good sounding word to you and you like the way it tickles your ear and whatnot, Paul's saying you put up with it splendidly. In other words, you're falling for it. And then he says in verse five, now I consider myself in no way inferior to those super apostles. He puts that in quotations. Even if I am untrained in public speaking, I am certainly not untrained in knowledge. So Paul is reaffirming himself. And so um, he's telling them, look, I might not be the best orator. I might not be the prettiest speech maker, but don't question my knowledge. It says in verse 12, but I will continue to do uh, what I am doing in order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about. So Paul talks a lot, you know, in these chapters about boasting, you know, who boasts in what I boast in the gospel. You know, they boast in this, this, that, and the other. And so he's saying that, um, well, let me just read again. But I will continue to do what I am doing in order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals, you see, in what they boast about. You see? So he's going to examine about what people boast about. Then he says in verse 13, for such people are false, apost uh, false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising them th themselves as apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no wonder. For Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so Paul is saying, look, no wonder we know the tactics of Satan. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that these deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles are really of Satan, is what Paul is trying to tell them. Open your eyes, in other words. He's saying, be discerning. Don't be gullible. You know, see beyond the obvious. In verse 15, he says, so it is no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. 
So he's saying this as a warning. And that warning has persisted throughout the millennia because there have been those false prophets, false uh, those claiming to be sons of God. You know, we see this happen. We see I've seen this happen in our lifetimes. You know, those um, uh, the Jonestown uh, massacre, if you will. And, and some other people claiming to be the Messiah. They get people to follow them, and they commit mass suicides or, or other things like that. So we see this happening even today, even though this was written over 2,000 years ago. The same sort of thing exists. Paul is saying, beware. Don't be gullible. Beware. And the way you, that you protect yourself from, uh, from uh, vulnerability, the way you protect yourself from being deceived is by knowing the word so that you can examine the word that's coming out of somebody else's mouth and you can filter it with the word to see whether or not what they're saying lines up with this word. If it doesn't, then don't pay any attention to them. Paul's suffering for Christ. So this is where Paul is going to talk about, he's going to boast about some of the things that he does. And he says, since many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you, being so wise, gladly put up with fools. So let me tell you what I do. This is what Paul is saying. In fact, you put up with it uh, if someone enslaves you, if someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone is arrogant towards you, if someone slaps you in the face. And like I said before, we see this happening. We see pe people falling for and falling into deception under somebody else's rule. And then that person starts to take advantage of them or that organization starts to take advantage of them. They start taking their possessions. They start taking their resources. They start taking their money. They start taking their time. They start taking their efforts and energy. They start using it for their own benefit. So Paul is saying, in fact, you put up with it, you know, even if somebody enslaves you because you don't recognize it as being enslaved. You're thinking you're following the Lord. He says in verse 23, are they ser servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. <clears throat> now he starts getting into the things that he has endured for Christ. See, he says, with far more labors, many more imprisonments, uh, far worse beatings, many times near death, Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received the stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. He says, toil, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. So Paul has listed all of the things that he has endured for the sake of Christ, essentially saying, have they done this? So Paul is boasting in his sufferings. He's essentially asking them, have they done this? He says in verse 30, if boasting is necessary, I will boast about my weaknesses. Let's go on to chapter 12. It says, uh, let's see, sufficient grace is the title here. Let's drop down in verse 7. It says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a horn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. 
I'm not sure what's being referred to here, but apparently Paul was given some type of uh, affliction. <laughs> and apparently it was from the Lord. I don't know. It says, therefore, I would not exalt myself. It says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. And so apparently the thorn was given to him so that Paul would keep himself in check. It says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So whatever this thorn that was given to Paul, this thorn was designed to keep him dependent and weak. Because in his weakness, he would be strong. Therefore, I will mostly gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I would love to say that this is my attitude towards life because I can see how this would be beneficial to the, to, the, uh, to the kingdom of God, to the cause of Christ, and to myself personally. But I got to tell you, so I take pleasure in weaknesses. I take pleasure in insults. I take pleasure in hardships. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in difficulties, all for the sake of Christ. That ain't me quite yet. I got to be honest. I don't take pleasure in these things. I run away from these things. I abhor these things. And so I need some internal adjustment with regard to my perspective. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because many times when I am weak, I feel like I'm weak. You see, And when I'm strong, I feel like I'm strong in the things that man uh, defines as strength. So I've got some upside down thinking to rectify. Let's go on to chapter 13. It says, final warnings and exhortations. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Let me just stop there for a second, because this is so important. So many times we hear something from somebody and we are only getting one side of the story, yet we leap to their side and act as if everything that they told us is the gospel truth. And many times, it's not even half of the truth. Usually, always, it's always bent towards their perspective. You know, and so as a person who listens to people's issues and complaints and whatnot, I can tell you that you have got to make sure that you maintain an even kill when you're only getting one side. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't automatically agree with everything that's being told to you, especially about somebody else, because you don't know. You don't know. You know, it's often said there's uh, his side, her side, and then the truth. You know, one side, the other side, and then the truth. You know, and, and there's some truth in that. And so don't jump to conclusions when you're hearing a complaint, an issue, or whatever about somebody or something, some organization, or without making sure you have as uh, complete of a picture as you can get. So every matter must be established by uh, the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
I gave a warning when I was present the second time, and now I give a warning while I'm absent uh, to those who sinned before and to all the rest. <clears throat> if I come again, I will not be lenient. So Paul is saying, look, I gave warnings and whatnot before, you know, and, uh, when I was present in my letters and whatnot. He said, but I'm not going to be lenient the next time. It says, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, uh, he is not weak in dealing with you, but powerful among you. Let me uh, reread that. He says, if I come again, I will not be lenient since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me. See, He is not weak dealing with you, but powerful among you, for he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by power, by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by God's power. So Paul is giving him a warning. He says, essentially the way I interpret this, he says, when I uh, communicated with you before, I had kid gloves on. But the next time, that's not going to be the case. And then he says he gives some great advice here in verse 5. He says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Let's take a pause right here. It's critically important that we continuously test ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And I would add a word here. I would say, honestly test yourself to see if you're in the faith. You see, you can't be faking yourself out. You can't be fooling yourself. Honestly test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Honestly examine yourself. See, better that you do it than to have it done to you. Honestly test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Honestly examine yourselves. Or do you, or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, yes, in you. Unless you fail the test. And so Paul is saying, look, you need to recognize that Jesus is in you unless you fail the test. But if he's in you, then you should be able to honestly test yourself. You should be able to honestly examine yourself and come to honest conclusions. Okay. And it says in verse six, and I hope you will recognize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Paul is saying, look, if you honestly exam examine yourself, you know, with integrity, then you can do the same with us. And you can see that we should not fail the test because we are sincere in what we're doing. We are sincere in what we're trying to accomplish. So again, this is Paul, you know, stating his case uh, before, the Corinthians, uh, before the Corinthians with regard to his sincerity, his integrity, his, his, his knowledge, his ability. It's almost like he's in an interview trying to convince them that you should listen to me, that you should hire me. You know? Verse 11, he drops down here and he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send you greetings. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so that's how Paul concluded his second letter uh, to the Corinthians. Uh, well, second Corinthians, actually, like I said before, I believe it's his third letter because it's, it's assumed that he wrote four letters and first Corinthians is the second letter and second Corinthians is the third letter. We don't have access to the um, first letter and the fourth letter. And so, or woman name, 
Wait a minute. No, I got that wrong. First Corinthians is the second letter, and second Corinthians is the fourth letter, I believe. And so we don't have access to the first and the third letters. And so <clears throat> with that, we have concluded second Corinthians. Uh, we will pick it up tomorrow in uh, Galatians. And uh, it's uh, assumed that Paul is the writer of uh, the author of Galatians as well, as he's talking to the people of Galatia. And as is the case, the invitation and the proposition goes forth to us all. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, the word says that you shall not be put to shame and that you will be saved. And if we believe that the word of God is true and that God is a holy and righteous God, he does not lie. If he says that, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that is the qualification to be saved. Don't let works or works mentality contaminate the simplicity of what the proposition is. Everybody stay safe, be blessed, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and should the Lord grace us with another day of life, we'll see you tomorrow in the next episode of The Word Encounter. Bye-bye.